Welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey, hey, hey. What do you say, everybody? We're rolling. Another knock-on podcast. Excited. Pumped. Uh, It's one day before the ATA show. I can't say I'm totally pumped about that, but I'm pumped to do a podcast today. It's been a good week. Um, Had a little bit of a break last week. Came back fresh, rejuvenated, and I've been really good about good sleep, waking up, getting warmed up, lifting weights, having a really, really good breakfast to hold me through the day, and then get some good shooting in. And yeah, it's been awesome. Um, For those of you who, on the last podcast, I think I promised I was going to have some people here for a podcast. That ended up not working out um, time-wise. I'm sorry, but the problem is, I'm so bad with scheduling right now and didn't realize it was Harry's last weekend at home and then we had to move him back into college. So I was not able to have uh, Chris Perkins over for uh, dinner. I promised I'd cook him a meal. And uh, yeah, I can't believe he shot like a machine at the Iowa Pro-Am. Kudos to Chris. Congratulations, buddy. Um, awesome shooting there and way to he changed bows which is a tough tough thing for most archers who are at a competition level when you all of a sudden have shot one brand for so many years and then you literally change hats um, a lot of times there's a whole different pressure on you to be able to come out and shoot at your same level with a new brand and he did it perfectly so that's a that's a pretty big hurdle for a lot of people so I'm super uh, happy for you. Awesome shooting, man. And uh, I think Linda, I think Linda Ochoa Anderson uh, won the women's. So congratulations, Linda. Awesome. You guys are all shooting great. Which is um, just looking at the scores. It's a perfect reason why I'm not good enough to run with these guys and gals right now. They're amazing. And uh, I don't know. I just. The ones that are doing it full-time and shooting every day and who are leading the world in target archery, they are the current masters. I am uh, barely years ago when I was where they are now as youngsters. Burley Hall was actually about where I'm at now, and he was at that position at um, High Country Archery, and he was like one of the legends that I looked up to. And I remember I stayed at Burley's house one time uh, way back. It might have been like 1996, 95. And uh, it was down in Tennessee. I went to the High Country Factory, saw the High Country Factory and all that stuff, stayed with Burley. And I said, uh, I kind of was telling him how awesome he was and why isn't he shooting more and why isn't he going to all the tournaments. And he said, kid, I'm just a used to was. And... I said, what? <laughs> and he goes, I w- I'm a used to was, a used to could. And I thought, I thought, oh man, that's nonsense. But I don't know, being in my position now, looking at where all the youngsters are, the people that are out there putting in 
six, seven, eight hours a day just shooting like I used to, uh, that just go to a tournament and drop one X, hey, that takes a lot of dedication to shoot at that level. I could go there and have fun. I could go there and do good, but honestly, I would only want to go there to win. And financially, that's the only way I could justify being away from my family is if I were to be providing more financial aid. And uh, the reality is by the time I talked to, uh, I actually talked to Bailey about this this past weekend because Bailey stayed with me, um, worked, we worked on a few things I think really saved her a, a good amount of points during the tournament. I'm glad she came and we were able to work together before she shot. Um, and we can talk about those a little bit today. Um, but, you know, I just told her, I said, you know, the way people are shooting, um, you know, it's just, it's a whole different thing than it used to be. You know, you have to, you have to be winning and in the top three to justify it. Otherwise you're just doing it because you love it. Because I remember way back, I don't know, I can remember a year, one of the last years I did my taxes, my expenses for shooting on the three different tours was right around 23,000 bucks um, for, you know, shooting 25 events, entry fees, plane tickets, gas, food, hotels. Uh, so, I mean, you've got to, you've got to go and win three or four tournaments, just like the Iowa Pro-Am in order to break even on your expense. Uh, and then, so you've got to, you've got to do well over that. So I was pretty fortunate to, um, have good sponsors and also be able to shoot really well during those first years when I did it. But, you know, once I realized I could do as well at my job as what I could, um, shooting all the time, then I kind of changed, changed fields. So, uh, keep all that stuff in mind when you're debating shooting, going out and getting after it on a full-time schedule. Um, okay. So I've got a few things written down here for this podcast. Um, the first thing I'm going to talk about, it's like one of the leading questions right now. This is, I'm actually holding up. This is going to be, um, my buddy Andy Stumpf. This is his cleared hot, his new cleared hot RX1. I'm in the process of building him right here. I'm holding it. And if I wasn't completely sold out of Elevate Rest, this would have been done by now. But I want to make sure that he's got one of the 2.0s on here. And um, originally I had one of the original ones on here, but I want him to have one of the 2.0s. So with this rest, or this bow, because I'm waiting on the rest, I actually hadn't done anything to it yet. And the first thing that I'm going to do to his bow is he really wants me to change out his um, grip to the Elkhorn Rattler grips uh, that we sell on the website. And I think we still have some left. Um, which is actually from a bull that I shot. And what you want to do is these grips, they don't have any screws on them on the outside. So when you first look at the grip, you're thinking, how the hell is that thing on there? Well, it's just on there with a 3M double-sided tape. So what you want to do is warm that grip up with like a hair dryer 
or if you have a heat gun, don't get too crazy, but warm that grip up a little bit with a heat gun or an air dryer, hair dryer. And then try to find like a plastic type of screwdriver. I actually have this little tool that Biter um, sells and it's Biter B-E-I-T-E-R. And it's pretty nice. It comes in a little clip um, that I actually keep on my bow press, but it's actually a string divider. And it's, you know, this plastic looks like a plastic wedge that you can hold in your fingers like a, like a mini vampire slayer made of plastic. And what I like about it is it allows me to actually pry this grip off and get under this grip without marring it with a metal, um, more or less a metal screwdriver. So you want to use a little plastic type of screwdriver and you need to try to pry underneath the butt of the grip lift at the very butt at the very bottom edge of the grip in the center start to pry and then as soon as it starts to lift just work work on getting underneath that and again warming it up uh, with a heat gun or hair dryer is going to be very very helpful and then as you peel it it'll start to come up and then you just peel that thing right off and then the grip is off the new RX1s. Now once you're down there, you're actually going to find that on each side of the handle on the riser itself, there's going to be two small um, green stickers that are actually stickers that are in place to cover the holes that are tapped out for a grip that you want to screw on or like an older style Hoyt grip. So you can in fact actually uh, put the older Hoyt grips on and all you have to do is remove that sticker and the hole is there. Now the one thing I'll say is, and I haven't done this, but you're going to have to find some of the screws and I don't know the thread size. I need to ask that specifically. Um, you could easily ask Hoyt what those, but you know, it's kind of a smaller screw, about a quarter inch screw. I'm not sure the thread size, but you'll need to get those now to put the aftermarket Rattler grips on strictly just because um, they actually don't um, sell or they don't have those screws on these new grips that come on the bow. So uh, be sure to get those screws. I actually put a small little plastic washer, a very thin one. It's actually... Um, a super small one. I'm trying to think what it was from. Um, it may even be an, an old, I think it's an axle, a small thin axle washer. Um, I actually put that on the screw before I screw it down to the side plates. That way I can just put a little bit more pressure on there and not have to worry about cracking them. Um, if those stickers on the side seem to be a little bit uh, tough to get off, um, I also use this little plastic wedgie I've got kind of just scraped underneath it and uh, it'll pull right off and that's going to be it. So um, actually I think Andy told me code name for this new bow is going to be the Patriot. So the Patriot is going to be flying soon enough. I've got some blood red strings, uh, blue rubber accents, and then we're going with white bone side plates on this sucker so it's going to be a sweet piece of 
death machine. So uh, that's going to be really good. If it wouldn't have been uh, minus 40 the last week, I would have had that thing done. But, um, yeah, I was afraid to shoot out to 100 yards for the sole fact of, one, there's a 20-foot tarp wrapped around my elk target. And two, if I got my arrow into the target, it's probably not coming out. So um, we're kind of dealing with that. And unless anyone out there would like to make a, um, a donation to a 100-yard knock-on academy, um, which would, if you did that, if you built a 100-yard indoor uh, archery range for me, it would come with, um, with lifetime lessons. Um, if you so choose to do that so obviously i'm kidding but not but i am if i wasn't um but yeah you would you would have access to um my brain i would literally just put an iv in it and we could tap it right into yours and you could just suck all my mind juice out and then i'll have indoor shooting and i'd be able to sight all my friends bows in during the crazy time of year so that's how you get a grip off. Uh, next question, uh, or the next thing I want to talk about, uh, just because it is January 9th right now, and tomorrow I'll be heading to the ATA show, um, and then Thursday, the ATA, which is, um, if you listen to Andy's Andy Stump's podcast, Cleared Hot, he did a pretty cool, a very, very good podcast the other day. He was kind of saying this one's definitely gonna definitely gonna cause uh some crap but um the name of the episode was um ethics principles bravery bravery and cowardice and again that's a cleared hot podcast i thought it was an excellent podcast um there's you know he kind of he said i i think some people are going to get butt hurt and i said no it's pretty good and i was about eight minutes in (laughs) and then at about nine minutes i text him back i said yeah there's definitely going to be some butt hurt people in there and mainly because some people just do not take uh criticism very well and i agree with andy on a lot of the subjects that he talked about and actually um Today, a podcast came out that I did with Order of Man. You can find that podcast on iTunes and such, um, but it's called Order of Man. And I, funny enough, I recorded that podcast about three weeks to a month ago. So um, it was before Andy's podcast. And funny enough, several subjects parallel one another, um, talking specifically about ethics how people respond to different things and, um, I don't know, some different principles to just ownership. And, uh, yeah, I think it was an excellent podcast, um, but there's definitely um, a podcast very specific to ethics that I did with them, and it's just the way it went. I wasn't purposely trying to do it. That's just the way that it went. And, uh, yeah, I think I think you're definitely going to benefit if you listen to it so thursday kicks off the ata show um the ata show is always a little bit um if i'm truthful i'm never as jacked up about it as everyone else um i've been there for i don't even know how long i think the first ata show i went to wasn't even called an ata well i know it wasn't it used to be called um 
gosh, what it wasn't the ATA show. There was a name before that, and I can't remember. And then there was actually another name for the show before that, like in the 90s, um, which I went to then. And I thought it was called like the IDO. I don't know, something like that. But um, I just, I like the show, but the show is starting to change a lot. Like back when I went, I went as a dealer previously. And then I was going as a manufacturer. um, And that show has always been a business-related show. So it's really supposed to be a show where people go and see new products for the first time. And you're able to, as reps within the company... Um, you're able to seek your dealers and talk to your dealers and actually have some face-to-face time with them um, and talk about new products, talk about different things. Um, But the show has really changed a lot over the years. There's a lot more consumers um, getting in, and this isn't anything against all of you out there, but there's also a lot more solicitation now. And what I mean by that is, there's a lot more people that go there, they carry around their iPads, they've got a, um, a media, you know, like a media guide on there that they'll walk up to Hoyt and they'll say, hey, I've got a new TV show, you know, here's our, here's our trailer, here's our teaser, um, you know, do you want to sponsor us? And there's so many people walking around with their hands out, you know, they say, unfortunately, most of the manufacturers um, kind of have this this little inside joke saying that they you know it's nice to not have a professional handshake and what they mean by that is most of the handshakes um, coming to the manufacturers now from the pros are like this palm up and that is because they want handouts Um, the ATA show is supposed to be for a straight-on handshake fingers forward um thanks for everything you do what do you have new what's cool um you know that's what it's supposed to be about but there's a lot of solicitation now so it gets a little bit more difficult and the other thing too is now a lot of companies um especially all the bow companies they release products prior to the ata show so when you go to the ata show a lot of the dealers already have this product so they're more or less just walking around Um, you know, there's less and less attendance each year, I think because of this, I would really love the ATA to consider moving that show up closer to the first week of December to where the rut could be over. Dealerships are still fairly slow, but they're able to come and see new products just prior to Christmas. Um, it's a good time of year. The weather isn't near as bad. And I think it would really encourage a lot of manufacturers to wait that extra 30 days to actually do product release at the ATA show. And I think it would be a way bigger event. And I think it would be more exciting. Um, but I like to go there mainly to meet dealers um, that are coming there specific. And, you know, there's consumers as well. I'm just not big on the handouts. Um, When people approach me for sponsorship there, it's definitely not the place. And I don't ever take contracts to the ATA show, even for myself. That's something that, 
you know, if I'm trying to work on a sponsorship with someone, I do that in October, not at the ATA show when they're trying to meet with dealers and I'm the same. Um, so, uh, here's my schedule. Um, so starting at 10 a.m., I'm going to be at the GSM booth, which is um, Stealth Cam and all their brands, Cyclops, Hunting Made Easy, uh, Walkers, Game Ear. Uh, they got some awesome new stuff that they're going to reveal there, um, some really cool stuff on the Hunting Made Easy side. So that's going to be from 10 to 11 um, and this is on Thursday, January 11th, and I'm going to actually be there with Andy. Um, Andy and I are going to be together for several um, events, so if you want to come and check that out, um, Andy and I are actually going to be collaborating on a film series that we haven't talked about yet, but it will be coming out soon enough, and I think uh, there'll be different parts throughout the year that's pretty much going to focus around uh, two guys, uh, one that's teaching one thing, one that's learning another thing, and both that are having fun and um, all that good stuff. So, yeah, there's going to be more of that coming. Um, then also, so from 10 to 11, I'll be at GSM. That'll be a very laid-back time, so if you're wanting to talk and ask me more questions, that's going to be probably the best time. Uh, to do it at that GSM booth again at 10. At 11, I'm going to be, oops, sorry, at 11, that's a lunch. I have a lunch with um, Cabela's and Easton because I'm going to be doing an event for the Cabela's Black Signature Card Holders um, who want uh, an experience with me as part of something they can turn in with their card points. So I'm going to be shooting the Total Archery Challenge with some Cabela's members um, and giving a private tour to Easton and then doing coaching school and then actually shooting with you. I've also now asked Andy to join in on that um, experience. So as long as that's cool with Cabela's and Easton, um, that's going to happen. So you'll also be able to to get a pretty awesome dude there uh, with us as well. Um, then uh, from 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock, I'll be at the Hoyt booth. Um, I'll be there signing. Hoyt's got some really cool um, autograph cards they did. So that's a good time for meet and greet, pictures, all that good stuff. And then at 2 p.m., I'll be at the Easton booth. Um, so... I'll be at the Easton booth then. Then I think at the end of the day, I have to be at Yeti, um, at the Yeti booth. I don't have that actually written down right now. So then on Friday, um, I'm going to be at uh, the Easton booth at 1030 in the morning. Then at um, just before noon, I'm actually going to be doing a podcast with the Gritty Bowman um, at the Hoyt booth. Um, from just before noon until 1 o'clock when I'll be at the Hoyt booth signing. Um, so I pretty much go from Easton directly to Gritty Bowman podcast, then to Hoyt, um, and then right after that I'm going to be having, uh, I'll be in the Yeti booth um, again. So uh, from 2 to 3. So other than that, if you see me, grab me, say hi. 
Um, I've got things that I have to do outside of those times, but when it comes to true appearances, those are my appearances that are written down right now. The other things I'm going to be doing are going to be in people's booths um, and helping them specifically with some R&D stuff, um, which I will be doing some videos uh, for all of you to see. So that's the ATA show. Next thing is I really want to get into... Uh, I want to get into some things that I've been posting lately. Um, first off, I have a few questions that I found um, in recent social media posts. Um, the first one is going to be from carmack9.co.uk. Um, he's saying, hi Dudley, thanks for all your help in your podcast and YouTube. I just added two inches to my draw length uh, and no longer feel cramped up. Um, it feels a lot better, um, but he's saying, and this goes back. So his first question was relative to, um, he started archery and when he started archery, um, he had a certain draw length. And then at the same time, he started working out, started lifting, started to what he felt like was growing muscle wise. And he said that over the course of that time, he started to have to increase his draw length to feel like he's fitting in his bow. And he said, is that related to my working out? And I said, no, it's, it's really not. Now, if you're young and you're growing, that's one thing. But if I take that out, then I really look at the fact of, most archers when they're young they actually or regardless of your age when you're young in the sport um, what you'll find is a lot of people when they're first starting out especially if they're not coached correctly they actually um, they're a little bit hesitant on drawing the bow they're afraid of the string hitting their arm they're afraid of the string you know the release hitting their face a lot of times you know, they'll kind of draw back and they'll get in there and, you know, they're barely trying to let the string on their face because they're afraid of the string hitting their face. So you're you're really just uncomfortable. Um, and then as you start to shoot more, you start to, you know, you just start to rip that thing back and kind of come over. Um, you know, you're not so cramped up. Um, and then as you're obviously learning and looking at videos or you know, looking at Instagram or listening to podcasts, you're learning about things like anchor position, you know, alignment, posture, you know, you're talking about expansion, which I've talked about a lot in the last few days. Um, and then you just start to realize you can stand up prouder, you're way more comfortable drawing that bow back, you're not near as nervous and shrunk up. So you just naturally start to feel like that thing was really small because you just your arm starts going out further and you're not afraid to hit your arm. So you more or less, you start to get to the point where you are in the correct alignment as what you should have been at the beginning. So he's kind of saying thanks to that. And this is actually why it's really, really important that for me, I almost like teaching new archers better than archers who have been former pros because it's easier to mold from the very beginning. Um, there's a great two video series that I did last year, um, Archery 101 and Archery 102. Uh, I'm sure you could YouTube it, just Archery 101 with John Dudley, Archery 102 with John Dudley. And 
it literally documents a two day, two days experience. Well, it was two days of coaching. Then there was another three days of just reinforcement. But it was taking my friend Tyler Stark um, from Traeger and he wanted to do his first bow hunt. So literally he had never even shot a bow. So he came, taught him how to shoot a string first, taught him posture, taught him alignment, taught him anchor position first, then gave him a bow, turned it way down, taught him to draw it without being, without worrying about it, actually taught him on a little training bow and then got him shooting, got him making his first shots, moved him into shooting with the sight moving into practicing with the sight, stretching back the yardage, then talked about shot angles with hunting, and then ended up having him do his first hog hunt, which was a success. So with him, he didn't have to feel cramped to begin with and then expand out because he was taught the right way to begin with. So I think following that will help you. But um, in your case... Now that you're longer, um, you said that you feel like your arrows are really inconsistent now and they seem to be hitting a lot lower left. Um, So you asked me if that was due to spine. It can be due to a lot of things. One, your alignment's a lot more. You could be having a different, a whole different type of, if you're too far and if you're too overdrawn, you could be having contact on that arrow and causing some of that left uh, movement. But in saying that, um, most likely, once you extend that bow out two full inches, there's two more inches of power stroke on the arrow too. So there's a very good chance it could be weakening the arrow spine as well, um, which could also be part of the problem. So, you know, definitely check that out. Um, what I notice is if I have a bow that's shooting really good, um, the arrow and the arrow rest and everything is right down the center of the riser. Uh, the pins are sitting just on the left side of the arrow shaft, which is very common. Uh, everything's shooting good, but then you make changes. You either change poundage or you change draw length in your case. Then all of a sudden you start seeing that your pins have to be way outside of that arrow shaft. Um, if it was okay before and it was just over the arrow shaft, and now that you've lengthened the draw, it's way outside, that's an indication that, in fact, it actually is too weak of a spine now. Now, just because your arrows are sitting, or your pins are sitting outside of your arrow shaft for other people listening, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have too weak of an arrow spine, because your pins sitting outside of your arrows is also an indicator of torque in the bow hand itself or flex in the riser and some risers as you draw them back and the and the cable slides back on the the rod or the cable you know as the cams break over and the cables start to put pressure on the roller system or the cable guard or the roller guards as it pushes on that back part of the riser the front part moves obviously with that so That's why sometimes your pins have to sit very left of the arrow because it flexes into center at full draw. So that could be related to your grip position, but it could also be related to the system, the overall design of the bow. Some bows are much worse than others. And honestly, it's one of the reasons why I've always been a pretty big fan of of Hoyt's because they really, the team there really understands this. 
Um, because so many of the engineers are shooters, they don't really like risers that flex in that manner. So, you know, with the tech riser, it puts a lot of strength behind the hand and it minimizes that torsional uh, torque in the riser itself. So keep all that stuff in mind in relation to that question. The next question here is from Chris J. Faber. He's saying, how much do you think magnification will help a person's accuracy at an 18 meter indoor shoot? Um, so what he's talking about is actually putting a magnified lens in your aiming sight, um, which is for those of you who have watched some of my la my latest indoor training sessions. I'm not shooting my, t my hunting bow. I'm shooting a target bow. Um, I really spend a lot of time normally three to four months behind my target bow and really polishing you know it's it's a lot like you know i look at myself a lot like my hunting knives um going into hunting season i want a perfectly honed edge and then as hunting season goes and goes and goes i know that that knife it starts to get harder and harder and harder and harder to uh to field dress with because i just you slowly start to lose your edge and you start to lose all those minor details that you've worked on but going into the season with a kick-ass blade to begin with helps prolong how well that thing is effective and the same is true with my archery as soon as the hunting season comes to the close which actually today is the last day of hunting in iowa um, and I won't be going out. Uh, I don't think so, but <laughs> you never know. I say that a lot. I'm indecisive at times. Um, but I want to make sure that starting, you know, when I was more or less done with the bulk of my hunting, which was at the close of Iowa's first, uh, archery season, I just picked up my target bow and started to work on drills, repetition, just grinding that edge grinding the edge grinding the edge getting rid of any of the the nicks or the dings in that uh, get rid of those first to where at least i'm working with a clean slate and then i just start to polish 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 and polish until really turkey season slash bear season comes along then i'm very sharp for those times and then i use my summer to polish 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 august 24th hits i'm hitting uh red willow outfitters to enjoy alberta and i'm sharp as can be that's the plan so um in regards to the magnification for my indoor i shoot magnification but i also don't shoot a lot and mainly because i'm not focused on target shooting all year long so if I'm not super honed and my edge isn't as sharp as possible, then I'm going to see more movement in my sight than what I would if I was just very sharp, very dedicated to target specific archery. And what I find is by putting too much power in my lens, I'm magnifying the movement that I naturally have more so. Magnification can certainly help you because it allows you to see what you're hitting better. 
obviously if you're able to see that 10 ring or see that X, it's going to help you hit it. Um, but also if it starts to give you anticipation, because you're seeing that your pin is moving all around on that thing a lot too, then obviously there can be adverse effects. So there's a fine line there. And I've found that starting out my indoor season with about a 0.5 diopter, which is equivalent to about a three to four power lens, and then moving up to a 0.7 diopter as like, especially right now I've been shooting about a month, so I'm feeling really good about my shooting. And I feel like I can handle that magnification. I'll move up to about a six. I never go over that. And there's a couple reasons why. One, once you start to go over a certain magnification, you start to have to actually get different types of lenses for your peep sight so that your clarity of your target and your pins are a match. It's called a clarifier. If you start to put too much power in the in your lens, you're going to find that either you can make the target clear or you can make your pins clear, but it's hard to make both clear. Um, for 3D, I'll normally shoot a 3 to a 4 power lens at the most. Um, I've never shot a 6 ever for 3D, and I've actually shot a lot of 3D with no, no lens at all or even a 2 power. Um, but it certainly helps you see, obviously, if you're magnifying those scoring rings to where you can actually see what you're aiming at, not just aiming at a complete blank silhouette, then you're obviously going to have better uh, accuracy. So just don't let that magnification freak you out and make you start to get anxious on the trigger. Um, okay, the next thing I want to talk about here, now that I've covered a few of those little questions um, from some of my recent posts, I really wanted to talk about some of the things that I've decided to kind of move into for 2018. Um, I wanted to set new goals for myself, and one of the goals that I have is to try to do a better job um, with motivation as well as um, delivering a clear message, which is why I was really excited um, about that podcast with Order of Man, just because the direction of the podcast naturally went in a very good direction for something that I was truly passionate about regarding ethics. Um, at the beginning of the, he asked me at the beginning of the podcast about how I got into archery. I'll let you go there to hear that story. Don't judge me. The one thing I wish I would have clarified a little better was the fact that, you know, and one thing that I learned from and made sure I told Harry about was, you know, just ethics involved with, you know, shooting stuff, bag limits, <laughs> things like that. I was nine years old and pretty much was put in a place where I don't think they assumed I was even going to see a deer, um, let alone shoot. So I had to learn the lesson about you know, not being greedy. Um, even though with does down in that area, um, you know, there really wasn't a limit on what you could shoot. Um, I did more than what they thought a nine year old would do. And then they were in, ended up being mad at me about it where my grandpa was, uh, for good reason, but I'll let you listen to that podcast. But, um, I'm trying to make sure I give a little bit better, um, deliver some more stories through my social media posts, um, 
try to have meaning behind those stories and then hopefully help you with that message and with that motivation. Um, so one of the things that I talked about was um, learning to step outside of your comfort zone. And I think this is a this is a really, really important thing because everybody out there hits plateaus. And plateaus are something that I've probably first learned about when I was in high school and the football coach was making you uh, bench press and <laughs> squat, bench press, and deadlift every freaking day. And that's really what it was all about. And you get to the point where, you know, you hit these plateaus and you know looking back some of them are obviously um, mental blocks or different things like that but I made a post uh, yesterday and you can find it on my Instagram I actually think I posted on all three of my social media accounts and it was um, this was actually tailored around and as my analogy I put photos of when I learned recurve archery even though I'm a compound archer and love compound archery, and really that's my passion, I don't have any desire to shoot an Olympic-style recurve. But I wanted to step outside of my comfort zone, and I wanted to learn something that was completely different and made me feel uncomfortable. Because, one, there's a big reason why... Um, there's a big thing that helps me as... I guess just as a person, learn new things and it's when there's a challenge and when you feel like you actually are completely at less than a 101 level. And that's what I felt like with the recurve. The same happened when I had my shoulder surgery and I had to learn to shoot with my mouth. That was probably some of the best shooting and practice and really daily regimented I'm going to do this here I've got to learn to do this today tomorrow can I I want to see how I can shoot at 25 yards you know when I do this well at 25 I want to see if I can move to 30 okay now I hit 35 pounds pulling with my mouth I want to see can I you know by next week can I pull 40 pounds so kind of the same was true with the recurve bow I had to learn how to hold a string not a release had to learn posture, expansion, uh, a completely different weight. You know, as you draw back, the weight increases and gets more and more and more, and you're holding the most weight at full draw, whereas with the compound, you're holding the least amount of weight. Um, just, you know, not having a full follow-through, you know, pulling, pulling until that click happens and then releasing the string and being dead in the shot and not coming through the shot like you would with um, a compound bow where you're pulling on a dead solid wall uh, and you're wanting to break free of that. Just there's so many differences. And because I did that with the recurve bow, I was able to immediately, as soon as I changed back to a compound bow, I was immediately better than I was when I had put it down. So stepping outside of that comfort, that comfort zone made me that much better. And truthfully, the same happened when I was shooting my mouth tab. 
I finally got cleared to switch over to a regular bow, which I did just prior to an elk hunt in Alberta a few years ago. And just immediately I was shooting better than ever. And I also had a systematic routine of practicing the same time every day, making sure I was there, making sure I was doing it. Plus, just from a physical fitness point of view, I was probably even in better shape um, tone-wise than I am now because I was so focused on my stretches for my shoulder twice a day, if not three times a day. Um, And I think just the amount of stretching that I was doing was really helping elongate my muscles and give me more definition within my muscle. And then also just really working on that range of motion and feeling overall stronger because my flexibility and my range of motion was so much further. So I just really want to try to utilize some of these posts. Um, And I'm always, each morning I get up, I make a coffee, and I start thinking about, I actually just start thumbing through some of my older photos. And I start thinking about, hurdles that I was having then or something that I overcame during that time or a lesson that I learned based on a folder that might have been a tournament that I was at or a hunt I was on or you know maybe a target based on a score I shot you know most of the time if I'm taking photos of something I have relevance to it and I've got hundreds of thousands of photos um, from my last 20 years as an archer so I try to find different things that can help encourage you in these types of things. So make sure you read those. And I really want to try to make sure that you're also truthful with yourself and recognize, you know, saying and doing are two totally different things. If you're serious about it, you're going to do it. Um, If you just want to be cool, you're just going to say you're going to do it. Uh, So do it. That's that's what I want to encourage you. I want I want to make sure that you learn to step outside of your comfort zone and do what it takes to learn something new from being uncomfortable. Even if you say I'm going to do that one time this month, chances are it's probably going to be the most rewarding month that you've had in a long long time. This is uh the most common time of year for New Year's resolutions. I'm not a big fan of New Year's resolutions. Um, mine was shoot more, um, shoot more in the archery. I think it was. Do you want to do archery in the garage? That was my uh, my New Year's resolution is more archery in the garage. Um, so I would just encourage you if you've got a New Year New Year's resolution, get uncomfortable in that New Year's resolution and overcome something and you're going to find so much more reward in doing that and you're going to be more likely to stay with it because you're going to feel good about what you're doing. The next thing I want to talk about was a post that I made um, where I defined the word perspective. Um, The word perspective is a noun And there's several different variations to the definition, but the definition that I liked the best was a particular way of viewing things that depends on one's personalities or experience. Uh, 
And this is really, really important because it relates to a lot of different things. And your perspective, regardless of the subject, your perspective on being a hunter, your perspective on hunting, your perspective on I'm a hunter, that guy's a target nerd. I mean, (laughs) I've been on both sides of the fence. I've been at archery tournaments where I walk up with a camo hat and people think that I'm just the biggest idiot. I've also um, had my bags never show up when I travel with a camo bow case through London or or Paris. Um, And again, it's probably just people's perspective. Uh, Whereas if I travel with a non-camo bow case through non-hunting countries i've had a way better uh, chance getting my luggage um and i've also been at a lot of hunting things where uh people have said things to specific to like target archers and the fact that they really you know it's just they're not really doing much they're you know they're just shooting at a dot all the time what does that really do so depending on your perspective depends on how you look at those different things and i'm here to say have an open perspective and try to have a perspective looking from both sides and try to understand different people's experiences on how they got there Um, i actually heard george riles who is uh, a pretty a pretty outgoing coach right now and someone that a lot of people in the archery industry know uh, on the hunting or on the target side um, you know I've heard him say some things about hunters that were a little bit derogatory and mainly because he's so focused on the hunt or on the target side that there's some hunting that has a negative image and portray kind of the Bubba Bow Hunter image. So really think about your perspective and which way you look at things. And this is going to be really, really important in regards to your coachability. And it's going to be really, really important um, regarding how you accept someone's coaching because there's a lot of times I work with someone and I talk with them or people buy a new release from me or you know they try something they seen on a thing and then I get this this message from you saying well it doesn't feel comfortably comfortable I shot a 300 before now I'm only shooting a 285 and a lot of that is because how long did you truly venture down that road and how long did you really stay outside of your comfort zone and just try to accomplish that because it's been proven that it takes 21 days at least to create or form a habit so you know you have to really give it everything and be outside of your comfort zone look at it from a different perspective and apply yourself a hundred percent for that month to see where it really leads you in the end which is why this time of the year is always the time of year where I force myself into different things, trying different things, trying different products, maybe trying different arrows. I give myself time to try it when there's not a tremendous amount of pressure of seasons next week or I've already got a tournament coming up. You know, that's why utilizing your downtime to apply yourself, learn from things outside of your comfort zone and try to always have 
a different perspective. You know, use yours, obviously, because you've learned you learn from experience. Use your perspective, but in the same sense, make sure a hundred percent that you know you're trusting yourself and being there long enough. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about, which I didn't post about, was just the word. Well, it's two words. One hundred. I don't know, it might be three words. <laughs> 100% when it's written down, it's it's just letters in a, in a digit. So uh, 100%, you know, the more and more I'm around people, and this goes with hunting camps, this goes with people that come to my school. Um, and a big reason why, you know, I work with some people and then don't work with some people is because I also do research on people that I'm working with, no different than my surgeon did research with me to make sure that I was going to be 100% dedicated to his rehab um, philosophy and his rehab schedule. So 100% means that you're going to completely finish a task start to finish. And in the end of the day, you're going to be truthful with yourself and look look back and say, I was 100%, meaning you left no stones unturned. You left no strings untied. You know, 100%. A lot of people focus on, I give 110%, you know, give 110%. I think for uh, elite, elite level athletes um, like Michael Jordan, they know what 110% is. Um, I think for the average person and most people that are listening, and especially most most of the youth and millennials that are listening, start with a hundred percent. Don't worry about the hundred and ten. Let's just do something at a hundred percent. You know, I go through this all the time um, with people that I work with. You know, I ask them to do things a hundred percent. I'll be specific about things, and then there's one or two small gaps that are left open and what i found is one or two small gaps left open end up creating a doorway for an opportunity for things to slide in there if you're doing something a hundred percent then you don't leave yourself time for excuses you don't leave yourself time for you know changing or deviating you know, 100% means start to finish 100% completion. Today, I made a post and I posted a 300 round that I had shot previously uh, in time lapse. And I pretty much just said, um, you know, today's goals, or I don't know, maybe it was today's lessons, but I said, all you have to do is two things today. Um, and the two things that I wanted you to do were visualize and execute. And if you add in that 100% that I just talked about, I think you're going to find that you're probably, most people, you're probably going to change who you are if you apply 100%. And then those two words that I just talked about, visualize and execute. So if you visualize and then execute to 100%, for most people out there and most work ethics that are out there, you're going to find a whole new person inside yourself. 
And I can tell you, I'm a believer. I've done it. And everyone that is important and everyone that is a friend, true friend to me, everyone that is successful and everyone that I would share camp with, they will do those things. They don't try to get, they don't try to make it too fancy. They don't try to complicate it. They're able to visualize and execute a task at 100%. They're able to learn outside of their comfort zone, look at things from both perspectives, and in the end, you're going to be a much, much better person. So I couldn't think of a better way to end the podcast. Hope you enjoy it, and please come and say hi if you're at the ATA show. Otherwise, get out there and make a new you and do something in archery you've never done before and make sure you tell me about it i appreciate it appreciate all the support and uh yeah everyone who uh every time you buy a shirt or a hat off the website or release if they're available you're supporting what i'm doing and i can't do it without all of you out there so i sure appreciate it and knock on everybody be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock on lifestyle clothing knockonarchery.com